Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for ep- episode, excuse me, number 64. Hope, hope we're all having a fantastic second week into 2024. Um, got some really nice messages back off the, the back of last week's podcast, actually, about you know how to really set up 2024 and not trying to look for perfection and trying to find things that you know suit you and, and create adherence for you over the long term and not kind of this yo-yo dieting approach, which we've always gone through before. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you do go back and listen to that and be a really important podcast for, for everyone really to, to take forward into this year um, so that we don't have that, you know, all in mentality for the month of Jan and then the next 11 months we fall off and then we start again next year. Let's make 2024 the year that we create sustainability and adherence to the process overall. So in terms of this week's podcast, definitely going to be a different style of podcasts. Um, I've been running through lots of new programs and exercise selection and talking to guys and girls and clients around, you know, program design, things like this. I think it'd be really, really useful to kind of run through, you know, a couple of really key points of how you can grow each muscle group. So today's one is going to be, you know, chest. Chest is a really uh, important one for everyone to build, both male and female. And particularly males think really like to try and grow their chest. And I've really struggled with my chest development over the last number of years, if not decade. And you probably shouldn't take advice from someone who actually has a weak chest. However, me having a weak chest has made me educate myself and understand biomechanics and uh, movement variations and training program design, et cetera, to be able to make it more optimal. People that have a really good chest just really have to look at a dumbbell and they or a chest press machine and they get a big chest automatically. So I think it's actually useful for us in general to take advice from people who've had really weak areas, who've built them up, rather than people who are just literally born with them at age 10, have a six pack. They don't need to you know, take advice from them how to build your abs. The people who have really bad abs, who have really good abs by the end of like a, a five year uh, period of time are the ones we want to try and devote our time towards. So today's all going to be around pec development and how can we grow a chest optimally. Okay. So a couple of things we'll touch on. One is going to be potentiation and activation work. You guys will have heard me talk about this plenty of times before. I like to really put this in at the beginning of my exercises or my training plan, excuse me, particularly on a push or a chest or an upper body day specifically. The reason for this is because if you have a weak chest and you're listening to this video probably or this uh, podcast, you probably don't have the most developed pec of all time, which is why I go and listen to pec development podcasts as well. That probably means you don't have an unbelievable connection with it. Let's say, for instance, my lats. I can literally almost go straight into a working set <clears throat> with no warm-ups and get an unbelievable connection to my lats and my arms for that matter. Pecs, no way. I need to spend time potentiating it and activating the pec tissue before I actually go into work with it. The best way for doing this and and gaining this kind of neural connection with the pec is via short and range bias exercises. That's going to be things like cable chest fly, you know, even even just grabbing a cable and just driving the elbow across. Sorry, I'm moving back away from the podcast mic here to do it as if I'm showing you on, on the video in front of me actually just driving the elbow across the body. So think of it like grabbing a cable at kind of nipple height 
okay? Grabbing onto the cable uh, at the end and just literally driving the cable across your body. Drive the, the bicep into the pec, feel the chest contract. Hold it there for five, six, seven seconds. Release, hold it for three, four or five seconds. Release, hold it for five seconds, et cetera. And just trying to get blood flow into that area. You're potentiating it, you're activating it, but you're also gaining this neural connection with it where you can gain that mind to muscle connection before you go into any of your really heavy pressing work or anything like this. Ask the question to yourself, when you go into your presses, does it take one, two or three sets for you to actually start to feel your pec? If the answer is yes, then that means that you don't have a very high neural connection with it. Therefore, you need to gain this before. It's it's kind of like, I wouldn't say you're wasting those first sets, but you're not getting the most out of it. You can't feel the pec work and it's a, a, a weaker body part then I would definitely advise gaining this, this kind of potentiation activation neural connection with it by doing some sort of, of, of pec activation work. This can be a cable fly. It can be a single arm fly. It can be a, a pec tech machine. It can be a kind of a, any kind of cable fly variation at all or fly, uh, pec fly variations at all, just to try and drive some, some blood into the muscle tissue and to get that internal feel for it overall. So with once we've done that, okay, now we may be uh, repeating ourselves here as well, but in terms, I would call those like warm-up and activation exercises or even like a banded pec fly as well is also really good because it gets harder as you get the, the elbow across the body, which means that the pec is shorter and feeling that really good contraction as well, okay? So now we go into program design. And for me, there's really kind of three variations that I like to use in program design for absolutely everyone who's trying to bring up their pec. The first one is going to be, as we just discussed there, not a warm bar activation, but just some sort of pec fly of choice. Okay. This can be a seated. Uh, in an ideal world, I would always advise doing this seated. The more stable that it is, the more potential for high activation there's going to be. And there's less potential, less risk of it moving on to different muscle tissues, which you don't want, the anterior delt, et cetera. Okay. So like something like, you know, a sternal fly where you are seated and you put the cuff um, on the elbow and you fly across the body with both sides, a pec deck, a seated cable fly or a seated inclined cable fly. Those will be my big four that I'd advise doing. Okay. They're in a really controlled environment. Okay. With this, with this stability from a seat. Okay, a cable and or a pec deck machine are going to be really favorable in terms of, you know, predictability and where the hand is going to go, mainly the pec deck particularly. I also have really good control with the cable, you know, has a kind of a consistent, uh, um, uh, consistent, um, uh, God, the, the word's gone out of my mind, uh, consistent, um, God, I can't think of the word, so it'll come back to me now in a second. It's a consistent, you know, loading across the hole from the lengthened range to all, all of the shortened range itself, okay? Um, and why we're doing this is to try and get the pec short, okay? So when we're trying to get the pec short, that means we have to get the elbows as close to, to each other as we possibly can, contracting and squeezing the pec as hard as we can. Resistance profile is what I was trying to think of. It has a very consistent resistance profile, and rather than a really big drop-off in the, in the short or the lengthened, um, it has really good consistency, which I love. So those would be my, my main variations of choice. I would always start off your program with a pec fly of choice because as the session goes on, we know that it's harder to get the pec shorter, okay? So if you put this at the very end of your program, sometimes you know, you're not able to do anywhere near as much load as what you did at the beginning. But if you do your, your, um, your pec fly first and then you're pressing second, 
if you did your pressing first or second or third, I still think that your performance will be pretty identical in those. But the pec fly is a massive drop off in, in, in performance. So think of it like this, that if you put the pec fly first, you just maintain very good levels of performance across the board. Okay, so let's try and get the pec short first and foremost with one of those variations of choice. Whichever one that feels the best. I just love cables. They just feel really good. I get great alignment with them, you know, great contraction, really, really high um, levels of connection with them as well. And remember, you know, just because, you know, you, know, you see someone, you know, um, doing this exercise on Instagram, it doesn't mean that you need to do it. You know, find one that works for you and that you really, really connect with as well. Okay. So think of it like the first pec exercise that I advise doing is a pec fly of choice. Okay. The second one that we look towards is a converging press. This can be an incline. This can be a flat press, whatever that it is. What a converging press is, if you think about it, imagine you're you're in a chest press machine, okay? And you have, the ha- you have your hands in the handles. And as you're pressing, the handles start to come together, okay? That's converging. The opposite of that is, of course, diverging. But exactly like, you know, the, the pec works, we want to be getting in the b- bottom position, okay? When we have the elbows back towards our, like the back of the room, in that position, we want the elbow being driven forward and in front and in towards the midline, excuse me, which is a converging path. So it's great to have exercises that line up with the way that the pec wants to work, right? So a, a converging path would be a really um, applicable movement pattern to put in, something I always look for. And that can be, you know, like let's say a hammer strength press, hammer strength plate loader press. Those all move out to in, you know, a nautilus press that moves out to in, even a cable press. You know, we've done a cable fly. Maybe you go into a cable press afterwards, which you're going to be able to tolerate much more load. It's always going to go out to in. OK, I love, you know, my, my kind of top ones are going to be a hammer strength press, one of my favorites, and one I usually will have in my program. I love the prime incline press at the moment, which is a fantastic movement going from out to in. And I also love the Nautilus press, okay, and which is another flat one. You'll see me do this on Instagram all the time, and also a cable chest press, okay. All of those are working out to in, and that really biases. It has a really good resistance profile as well, but it really does bias getting the pec short with a pressing pattern with lots and lots of load behind it as well, okay? So more, the first exercise is really about getting the pec short with the fly, with the with the fly. The second exercise is about getting the pec kind of mid to short with a converging press. And then the third exercise that I would advise doing is a length and range challenge. This can be with a Smith machine. This can be with a dumbbell. This can be with a barbell, okay? Which one's the best? Whichever one that you feel the most with, okay? I love a Smith machine because it's a stable environment. It's a machine. You know, you can predict where the barbell is going to go. You don't have to have all of those internal stabilizers working hard. You can have, you can kind of lean into the external stability from the machine itself, okay? So something that's going to be really difficult. So think on like a Smith machine, you know? When you're when you're in that bottom position, you can load it all the way to that bottom stretch position where it's really heavy. You start to press it, and then you 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 can't finish that rep. Okay, so it always fail in that kind of length and range. That's where we want it to be biasing. And all of the literature and research is going to be telling us now that we want to be biasing more of the length and range than the short and range because this is going to add or be more, but have have higher potential for muscle growth. Hence, why you know I'd I'd like to do more you know barbell pressing and dumbbell pressing and Smith machine pressing etc. on on pec work. I also like to do you know more leg pressing and split squatting and hack squatting on, on leg work instead of leg extensions, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So more length and range challenges are going to be applicable for, for, for maximum muscle growth. 
So things on, on a Smith machine, like you're not getting the peck as short as you're getting it with the peck fly. You're not getting the peck as short when you're getting with a converging chest press because the, the barbell is just simply moving up and down. But this really allows you to bias that stretched position, big stretch in the peck tissue in the bottom position itself. A dumbbell is also very, very good at this, you know, albeit that it's it's more converging in nature. That's moving. The elbows are moving out in a little bit more for sure. There's no doubt that it, it's biasing the more length and range because you know you can you can't hold the bar the dumbbell in the bottom position for you know 15 seconds. You could hold it up the very top when you have all your joints aligned. Like the dumbbell is above the the wrist, is above the elbow, and is above the shoulder. That's when the the load drops off. So it's it the resistance profile is easy up the top. Okay, once you get it there, it's very difficult down the bottom, which is why we are working that length and range. The exact same as with the Smith, and the exact same as with the barbell as well. With that as well, then, so we have a converging path. We have a, 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 sorry, excuse me, a pec fly of choice. We have a converging path press of choice, and we have a length and range press, which is going to be a Smith machine, a dumbbell or a barbell, or if you have the machine, like a prime uh, machine where you can load the length and range on that specifically, then of course you can use that as well. And having, of course, variations then with your pressing. So I like to try and program, you know, having a 45 a 15 and like a 60 degree incline press if 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 I have a male um, who's doing like a push-pull leg split, okay? Because then in that way, then we can target different you know, fibers of the pec itself and bias different fibers of the pec. And it's not just, you know, a 45 degree, 45 degree, 45 degree every single time. So you can do that, something like, you know, uh, a 15 degree low incline dumbbell press, okay? And then after that then, or before that, you could also do a, you know, a high inc higher incline hammer strength converging press. So you want to try and mix and match everything. You know, you have converging presses that are 75 degree. Then you have length and range challenges that are 15 degree. And then you have, you know, a, a cable pec fly that's that's like, you know, uh, 45 degree on an incline. And just trying to get as much variety as you possibly can in there. Not to overcomplicate it, but not just going in and doing incline press 45 degree, incline press 45 degree, incline press 45 degree have different variations of those patterns as well. Are we going to be, uh, think of it like this as well, are we going to be, by hitting an incline press, does it mean that you don't work the decline fibers, the costal fibers they're called? No, absolutely not. You'll still be working these fibers for sure, but they won't be quote unquote biased as much. So let's say for instance, if you're doing a 45 degree incline press, you might have 70% of the upper chest fibers activated and only 30 of the costal the, the bottom, the, the lower pec fibers, but they're still being activated. You, 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 I think it's almost impossible, if not impossible, for you to activate any part of the upper pec without some of the lower pec. The more incline you get, the more you bias the upper pec fibers, the more kind of decline or flatter that you get, if that makes sense. So 15 degree, uh, closer towards the 15 degree incline, the more of the costal lower pec fibers that you're going to bias. So the key one for this one and, and point number four then is going to be to have different vari variations and variety in your pressing. If that's the incline degrees and then also, like I said, with the, the unilateral or bilateral exercises with the Smith comparatively to a dumbbell press, let's say as well. Okay. So in terms of, of rep ranges, you know, I think that looking at, at kind of different parts of that, that program design with the cable fly of choice, I just don't think a six, seven or eight repper is, is applicable, but it might be for, for the dumbbell presses, like we're going to discuss in a second or the, or the compound presses. I always like to try and just use those around 10 to 15 reps um, at, a, at a push, you know, maybe an eight rep or something like this. But, you know, I think that having a slightly higher rep range is just going to allow for better neural activation and better consistency and control 
traction on a rep by rep basis. When we come into our presses, then I think that that's something we can use to actually load up a little bit higher and create more load exposure to the pec itself. Then we can talk about, you know, five to nine rep ranges or six to nine and also 10 to 15. So you can, I was talking to, to one of my clients, Sunil, about this today, that do you need to use top and back offsets? You know, do you need to do that to optimize muscle growth? No. The most important thing is how hard that you're training, how close to failure that you can go, first and foremost. How and how good your execution is across the set. It doesn't matter if you train top set back off and have the optimal program. If you're tra- if you're leaving six to seven reps in the tank and your execution is all over the place, you're never going to grow muscle regardless. So always try and focus on those two as the main thing. How good can we make the rep look execution-wise and how close to failure that we can train, okay? Then we can, of course, look at the nuances of a program design. I believe that a top set, of, let's say, for instance, one set of six to 10 with a heavy loading set of, let's say, you know, 80 kilos on a Smith followed by a back off set at 10 to 15 reps with let's say 60 kilos is a, is going to allow you to progress load quicker than doing two sets of, of eight to 12. It's simply just allowing you to tap into those kind of really heavy threshold motor units where you can bias heavy loads, excuse me, um, which is going to be able to drive performance up quicker. And it isn't spending too much time there as well. It's hitting one set and then moving to your back offsets as well. So I like to do that with my pressing, have a heavy loading set first and a back offset second. But the main thing is around what suits you and, and what you like to do. And if you can train harder with better execution at two sets of eight to 12, than a top set and back offset approach, I would definitely advise that as well. So to, to kind of um, wrap this up then as well, we, we've kind of run through everything, you know, potentiation work, the, the um, fly variations, the converging presses, the length and range challenges, the variations between unilateral and bilateral, so dumbbells and, and cable presses, et cetera, comparatively to Smith's and barbell presses. We've talked about the variation in terms of the angles at which we press as well, and just making sure we have really good neural connection and high connection with that overall and biasing pec fibers. We also know around kind of rep ranges and sets and, and how many sets that you can tolerate per per uh, per per session you know if that's two or if that's three i think anything after that you're you're touching into junk volume and um, but trying to find a methodology and and kind of rep scheme that works for you the last thing we're going to do with all of these is going to be to kind of finish up with three kind of main coaching points and coaching cues that i'd advise when you're trying to target your pec the number one coaching cue that i would advise everyone on planet earth to do if they're trying to buy their pec is keep their rib cage up. You'll often see that as you start to press, your shoulders round forward, your chest kind of drops in, your shoulders round forward and you protract and your shoulders go in front of your pec, okay? That's like a first class ticket to placing all the tension in your anterior delt, your front delt and minimal on your chest. I would say the most common fault in pec training is this, which is why I spent probably eight to 10 years doing this. And only after videoing myself for the last couple of years, I've been, ah, now I know what I'm doing wrong. So videoing yourself and this is going to be key, but keeping that thought process in mind, that keeping your rib cage up as high as you can, almost that as you're pressing, you're trying to push your the top of your shoulders back into the bench, which inevitably allows you to keep the rib cage up nice and high. Look at the guys with the really big chest. It looks like their chest is literally bouncing up into their chin. It's because they're doing that. They're actually extending the the spine, okay, and and driving the rib cage up and keeping the shoulder blades pinned back and down. The next one is going to be coaching cue number two is going to be do not let ego take over. Again, you know something that I used to struggle with. I used to be able to press fifty five kilos each hand. That was great. 
did my chest grow? Not, not really. So although it's a heavy load, external load, the internal load, internal stimulus was very, very little to my pec because I wanted more load. I didn't want more muscle. I did actually want more muscle deep down, but I didn't know that this was affecting it. So don't let your ego take over. Be mindful. Choose a, choose an exercise. Choose a loading pattern that actually challenges the pec maximally, not the pec and the triceps and the anterior delt and every other muscle group in your body for that matter on equal terms. Yes, you're going to have to use your tricep and shoulder, but at a very, very low level comparably to the pec. You don't want to have them on, on, on even, even percentages. So really do remind yourself that, that if you are looking at your set and your chest is going up and down and up and down and rib cage is all over the position and the dumbbells are, you're taking shorter range of motion every single rep, probably a high chance that a lot of that isn't being driven towards the pec and maybe to other muscle groups or just, just not training anything really at all. So maybe, you know, most, most of the time it's actually about doing a little bit less, but, but doing it better. Okay. The third one, I actually slipped this out earlier by mistake. As soon as I said it, I, was, I said, oh, damn, that's supposed to be one of the key coaching cues. But just because X person does this exercise doesn't mean that you have to. This is something I really used to struggle. I used to copy people's programs. You know, oh, they're doing this upper clavicular fly with the cuff sternal. Oh, they're doing this reverse banded exercise. You know, they're doing this, that, the other. I must do it. And what happened? No pec development for Josh. I'm being really specific with my exercise. You'll see me repeat a lot of stuff. It's a pec fly every single time I start my, my sessions. You know, I love a low incline uh, press, you know, if that's a Smith or, or a dumbbell. I love a converging press, no, press, excuse me, press, a converging press with the hammer strength or Nautilus or the prime. It's the same stuff every single time for me because I know that this suits me. I know I have a good connection with it and I know I have runway for progression. I don't just fall into the trap of doing X because someone else did it as well. Okay. So that's going to bring things to a close. I don't know if you guys are, are will enjoy this exercise, not because we've never done something like this. I'd love if you could actually just shoot me a message saying if you enjoyed this message, this uh, podcast or not. If you guys have any questions about this or program design or really how to bring up any other muscle groups, please let me know. I'm un undecided if we'll do glutes one next week, if we'll do lats, if we'll do arms, if we'll do delts. So also let me know which one that you guys would like me to do as well. Um, if you have found this podcast useful, please do keep sharing your story and also make Make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast as well. It helps me out. It helps me reach more people. And if I can reach more people, it's going to urge me on to keep delivering podcasts and value to you guys on a week to week basis. A final point is going to be a gentle reminder that the coaching or the, excuse me, the coaching, the condition in 12, 12 week transformation challenge is still open for entries for the next 19 days from the minute that I'm recording this podcast. If you're looking to transform yourself in 2024 and start 2024 on the front foot with a 12 week transformation challenge, challenge one-to-one customs custom one-to-one support customized plans weekly check-ins absolutely everything that you can possibly imagine elite level coaching for an unbelievably affordable value hit the link in the description and make sure you select your payment plan that you want and then we'll take it from there okay other than that guys have an absolute incredible rest of your day and week and we'll touch base next week